Welcome to 12-Man Raid, the Azeroth Fantasy Football League podcast. This week, Bean and I will recap the draft grades, offer our own preseason power rankings, and give our tricks and tips for the fantasy season. Finally, we will end with some superlatives. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. All right, and welcome to 12-Man Raid. I guess first we should start off by introducing the new co-host, Bean. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Excited for this. Yes, me too. Should be interesting having both of us on here. Um, We're going to be doing weekly shows, hopefully for the entire fantasy season. Starting next week, we'll recap um, the league games. We'll discuss waivers and pickups that we like or dislike any trades that happen any big cuts or big news that happens and much much more so i'm really looking forward to that yeah as am i we could talk about how matchups went and surprising wins or losses by specific teams in our power ranking so it'll be fun thing to do every week yeah absolutely um, before we get started on uh, the the power rankings, I just wanted to give a recap of the draft grades, um, just because I didn't do that at the end of last episode, and I should have. So just to recap, I'm going from worst to first kind of order of quality. I gave Makehorn a poor common grade, uh, Mike a common grade, Bean, I'm sorry, and Zorbus an uncommon grade, Rules, uncommon and rare, me, Frazier, and Alex, Rare, and then Argy, Devastator, Jelly, and Frilly, Epic. Um, and moving forward, my preseason power rankings will kind of reflect that, but I did have some changes. Um, do you have anything you want to add before we start preseason power rankings, Bean? No, just I feel like my team deserves a little bit better... <laughs> draft grade but i mean that's what's fun about this i mean you'll get into the the power rankings and see where everybody ranked our fellow com- opponents teams and i mean there's a lot of differences between what we have so uh yeah it's really completely up in the air and especially this year in my opinion it's just it, the drafts that i've done this year have been so different compared to what i feel like the last few years have been there just haven't been as many top players so it's going to be fun Uh, I'm excited for this season. Yeah, I agree. And just to piggyback off that real quick before we start, this is the first draft in a long time that I haven't wanted to ever be at the end of the draft, where normally when I do drafts, I would much rather have a late pick than an early pick, but there's so many choices and none really stand out in a lot of different ways you can go. uh, I would much rather just have a, a set and forget kind of pick in the first five or so picks than have to deal with what you did at the end of the draft so agreed 100 percent. this year was the top four or five picks were like where you want it to be where i feel like it's you want to be in that middle end normally but eh, what's the fun of fantasy football (laughs) exactly 
All right, so we'll move to preseason power rankings. The way this will work is we'll go from 12 to 1 and how we ranked the teams uh, looking at them again. Um, and one of us will give our ranking, and then the other one will give theirs. We can comment on it. Um, some of ours line up, some of those, some of them don't. And then at the very end, we also have a third party who ranked the teams, which we'll get into uh, once we're done, um, and we'll kind of see at the end how it all shakes out. So I guess starting at number 12, I had uh, Maycorn. Who did you have, Bean? I also had Maycorn. Oof. <laughs> Sorry, Maycorn. <laughs> For me, I, just... I... Yeah, go ahead. It's there's just so many question marks. I feel like Maycorn's team could be middle of the road come week six, but in the early part of the year, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be live or die. If you can't can't keep afloat right away, it's really gonna be tough. And with Godwin's question marks and in my opinion, weak running back play, it's gonna be tough. Hopefully, Jamar Chase can can hold him up there afloat for the first few weeks until players can get healthy and maybe we get some ideas of what some of those running backs are going to do but it's just not looking good in my opinion and how Maycorn's going to look come the mm -hmm. end of the year so could change but yeah I'd agree I I think he has some work to do on waivers I, I think he has a strong core with Kelsey and Jackson and Chase I do think Travis Etienne will be valuable I, I don't. I have him in other leagues, so I'm a bit biased. Um, I I kind of do like him more as the preseason's been going on. And then if Elijah Mitchell just stays healthy all season somehow, he is a running back for the Niners, and that could be very very strong. Um, I know I saw a report come that Chris Godwin was uh, running practice without his knee brace on today too so he he has a chance to play week one it sounds like i don't think he will but i agree with uh the rest of what you said the depth is where it starts to fall off for Maycorn, and yeah we've kind of said all we need to say about that now we'll move to um 11th and you can say yours first who do you got i have devastator as 11th oh my goodness you? So I, I have Mike as my 11th. So why don't you go ahead and talk about Devastator? Um, sorry, my laptop went to sleep. Give me a second here. <laughs> All right. For Devastator, for me, it is running backs. Running backs are key essential positions in these uh, they're just hard to come by a lot of times and with devastators number two running back being miles sanders uh and number three being behind my first pick in the draft uh it's really there's going to be a deep hole that could be legitimately filled with less than five points every week depending on how miles sanders turns out I have had Miles Sanders on a couple dynasties for the last two years, and it's just been a real struggle. But I do really like the wide receiver play that he has, especially with Cortland Sutton. All the news is that's his favorite, or that Russell Wilson's favorite target is Cortland Sutton currently. So hopefully he can have a breakout top 
five type of wide receiver there and Miles Sanders can produce or maybe Jamal Williams takes over a bigger role if something happens to Swift but relying on injuries for running backs is is not a good thing to do in in fantasy and Mm -hmm. I've also heard news that Lazard is potentially not starting due to an undisclosed injury so that's not a, a good thing for a potential flex play as well um but that's where I kind of have Devastator currently. Yeah, and I I didn't know that Lazard thing. And I, I had him higher just because I really like the depth he has at receiver. Um, but he did move down in my since my uh, draft grades. I, I certainly agree with what you said about the running backs. For, I had Mike at 11. Um, and the reason that I had Mike at 11 was the same thing I said in my draft grade was the... Going Kyle Pitts and then getting Cole Komet in the 10th and then kind of all the picks after that, Parker, Galladay, Ingram, um, and then Fields. I, I would have liked to just see more depth picked than getting Komet and Fields. And then I would have liked more big swings for fences rather than players that we've seen what they can do. And Devontae Parker, we've seen what he can do. Um, Kenny Galladay has not looked good since he went to the Giants at all. And then Mark Ingram kind of seems like he's washed, but he has been good in the past. Uh, and that, that was the main reason I had Mike um, at 11. And then on top of that, the running backs he does have, I think, are good for depth, but hard to figure out who to start each week. And that's not a headache that I would want to deal with having to pick between Edwards Hilaire, Rashad Penny, and uh, Ramondre Stevenson all the time. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I, I can lead off with that too into into the 10. I have Mike at 10 as well. Mm-hmm. However, I, he is kind of the, I feel like one of those teams that are kind of a, a slight underdog. And I know you gave your opinion of, of Rashad Penny. However, I just have a completely different opinion of him uh, this year. I He's one of those sleeper guys that could be a top 12 running back if he stays healthy. Obviously, that's a big if, but he has been per- produced well when he's been in there. Obviously, mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker is a a risk to that potential, but he, I, I don't think Kenneth Walker sees a lot of field time this year just as a rookie in a team that's kind of rebuilding and they don't know what their outlook's going to be. So I think Rashad Penny is kind of the the workhorse in that offense, but um, it but it follows kind of that same same ways. Other than what kind of what you said with with Mike's team, it's just. There's not a lot there, especially with some of those picks that were made. So, yeah, it's heavy at the top. Jefferson, Barkley, Pitts it could be great. I and I do see what you're saying with Rashad Penny. I just worry about Seattle legitimately being in contention for the first overall pick. But Pete Carroll, uh, the head coach, is they they like to run. And I, I find it funny too. Last thing I'll say is Kenneth Walker kind of finds himself in the same position Rashad Penny did a couple of years ago when Rashad Penny was selected early. Mm-hmm. So we saw Rashad Penny not get carries and Chris Carson get all the carries. Maybe now Rashad Penny's in that Chris Carson role. So we'll have to see. Yeah. No, I agree. So you had Mike 10. For 10, I had my sweet baby angel uh, Zorbis. And that's one that moved up a little bit for me. Um, the reason I had Zorbis at 10 is 
the main the main thing that does it for me, I really like his team, but I the Hopkins pick weakens a strong roster because you have to wait half the season, half the fantasy season, um, to get him back, and then drafting three tight ends and a backup quarterback in the last four just if you look through the rounds, the kind of players that you can get, um, I, I foresee Zor- uh, Zorbus having to drop it, probably three of those four or two of those four in the first couple of weeks of the season um, just to make room for any players that he wants to keep that are injured or just get some more starters in um, because some won't work out. Um, on top of that, Having James Robinson, we don't really know what he's going to do early because he had a really rough injury last year that players don't usually come back early from. All the reports are saying he's going to come back early, but I'll believe it when I see it kind of deal. That's That, that kind of summarizes why I have Zorbis at 10. And I know you'll probably talk about Zorbis when we get to him. So, yes, I'll, most definitely. I'll go ahead and move to my number nine, and th- this should be a fun conversation because <laughs> I have you at number nine, and then who do you have at number nine? I also have me at number nine. So I, my nine, th- I would say my nine through six is really just dropping out of a hat, and I put myself towards the back because I'm I'm hopefully a nicer person than I, I come across as <laughs> sometimes with fantasy, but... Um, I really feel like the middle of the road, I, I feel like one through five is really a, a solid group of, of five people. And then after that, it's kind of like everybody's kind of in the same boat. But I put myself at the back just because I see holes in kind of areas of my team. Um, I am a very heavy waiver wire person for the first couple of weeks. And then after that, I basically don't touch it unless if I need to get a a, a quarterback of some sort. But I do really like potentials, especially with Robert Woods being number one wide receiver in Tennessee. I know they're a run-heavy team, but I I think he has potential to have some breakouts. I don't know. They've been saying Um, Traylon Burks is the number one. He's the most quality. I mean, we'll have to see. It's kind of interesting to see. And the whole, I'm, I'm a Packers fan at heart, so I had to draft a couple or I had to draft a Packers player. And I think Christian Watson, especially with the Alan Lazard information that came out this week, I think he has potential to like, he hasn't been talked about at all. He's kind of, nobody's really talked about him because he's been injured all preseason. I'm it's a shot in the dark that he's potentially, I mean, he could even wind up as number one wide receiver for green Bay, but it's, it's tough to say. Yeah, the Alan Lazard thing, and then I, because I, it's my team and I need to make it about me, I have Romeo Dobbs as the other rookie for the Packers for the same reason. We don't know who's going to come out of the Packers wide receivers on top, and I'm going to just, in the back of my head, think it's going to be Sammy Watkins because no one would ever see that coming, that Sammy Watkins would just suddenly become good. Um, but I could see, <laughs> I could see that happening. Any quarterback's gonna make him good. It's gonna be Aaron Rodgers, but we'll see. And he might be one of those week one type of waivers that are gonna be, who knows? Well, and Sammy Watkins is known for having big week one games and then doing nothing the rest of the season. So, um, yes. yeah, and I, I had you at nine too. It get, it does get hard to rank people after that. Um, 
because everyone is kind of in the same boat of strengths and weaknesses, the big thing for yours is just you're going to have to do a lot of work throughout the season at the tight end and quarterback position, and you're going to have to do work early in the season to figure out you know, your first 10 picks for wide receivers and running backs, so trying to sort out who is who on your team. I think is going to be the main thing. Just the the lack of clarity there is what moved you down my board. Mm-hmm. No, that's I, I completely understand. All right, uh, you can give us your eighth pick. Yeah, eighth pick. I have uh, Zorbis. So you kind of already talked about his team in a way. I feel like it's kind of one of those again three running backs on his team currently. A lot of tight ends. I don't mind the tight ends, but the three running backs is rough, especially with AJ Dillon. I feel like as you two, you have a lot of hype on him. It's just it's one of those seasons with him going down last year. I, I don't have as much confidence in him staying healthy with the same type of workload that he got last year. Mm-hmm. And he got more workload because Aaron Jones was also injured throughout part of those years. So or throughout part of last year. I think his numbers trend down. Uh, this year compared to last year. And I know that's not what a lot of the people in fantasy say, but um, I still would prefer to have Aaron Jones over him. And uh, I feel like he's not going to take a full back seat. I think he'll get the red zone touches and such. And then James Robinson, I mean, he's got the upside to potentially be a, a solid guy. Travis Etienne is obviously the the big question mark there. And if he comes back healthy, but I mean, he was a strong like a strong person before his injury last year. So um. yeah, J- James Robinson is always, since he's been a rookie, I almost feel bad for he's, he's consistently been very good when he plays. And, and part of that's because he gets all the work or he did get all the work in Jacksonville. But uh, with urban Meyer and them there, they wrote him off and drafted ETN early. They said ETN was going to be the starter. ETN ended up getting hurt so then James Robinson just had to play, and I I would not be surprised to see James Robinson get on the field and just, again, do what he's been doing and be a top 10 running back. Yeah, and that's part of Maycorn's low ranking as well. It's just because that risk, if that happens, his team is in dire, dire trouble. But um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see. It'll be fun to see it shake out. I also absorb us a little bit lower because of the – Hopkins pick as well. Having a guy who's suspended for a majority of the fantasy season is is just rough for for anybody. But you never know; he might be come back and come fire right out of the gate. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and part of the when you have a player that's injured or suspended to start, it's just one less, one fewer slot on your roster that you can try to stash someone from the waiver to see if they'll hit. So I like to try to give myself as many opportunities for big home run swings on players and not, you know, hit those players early rather than wait for my home run, you know, six weeks. But Hopkins could certainly come back and be a top five wide receiver like he has been in the past. So no, I agree. It's the balance. Yeah, it's just going to be rough. The The big part of it, which was an eye-opening thing to me after the first few rounds, was the three wide receivers and 
one flex in most of my leagues. It's two wide receivers and two flexes. So Mm -hmm. that just creates more of a need at wide receiver. And when you have one of them already uh, suspended for the first part of the year, it's you basically have four wide receivers to pick from. Obviously, he's got a lot of work he can do on waivers uh, with all the tight ends that he has. So those are easy drops and pickups of people like Sammy Watkins, potentially, if he blows up with Mm -hmm. one. So. And the receivers he has, barring injury, are really good. Stefan Diggs, Higgs, or sorry, Higgins, Hunter Renfro, and Lockett. Those guys are all established. We know what they are kind of guys. So, yeah. It's only appropriate that Zorbis gets the most airtime because he's the loveliest person in the league. So, congratulations on that. Um, I think we're on to... That was eight, right? So... You have to do eight still. Yeah, I need to do mine. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I had rules at eight. And rules to me is his team has flip-flopped so much that I have him so low. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and but, the, yes. the reason I have him low is I really don't like Jerry Judy in the fifth. Like, I would put any any wide receiver in the fifth that went after him there and i would love it even you know marquise brown brandon cooks adam thielen um and jerry judy could i know we keep saying this over and over but it's just the way the way it is we we won't know till week one um but jerry judy could inherit a really nice role and he has a lot of draft capital when he came out he was a top he was right by cd lamb was he the first receiver taken in that draft do you know? I don't know. I don't. I'm not familiar with him. Oh, he. I have a couple of friends who are the Denver fans, but I don't remember. He wasn't the, the Henry Ruggs was, and then it was Judy. Um, but it, but anyway, that was a really strong. Yeah, Henry Ruggs. We won't get into that. <laughs> um, but you know, Jerry Judy has shown flashes, so I really like him, but. I felt like it was quite a reach taking him in the fifth. And that's the thing that always sticks with me when I'm looking at his team. It's so, it can be so strong. Um, And that's what happens when you have Christian McCaffrey. Your team, if McCaffrey comes back and he's actually healthy the whole season or most of the season, that really glosses over a lot of weaknesses a team has. But it's that uncertainty that just pushed rules down for me. Um, so yeah, um, I, I know you'll get it to rules when we get to your ranking, so I'll leave it at that. Um, I'll move for number seven. Uh, I have Alex, um, and I talked at, on the draft review how much I really liked the first, uh, three picks for Alex's team. We're moving, he's seven and then we have six above. So if we were going just from a season standing standpoint like if this was our prediction for the year this would be the cutoff for the playoffs and the consolation playoffs so i think the thing holding alex back um from having that higher makes the playoffs ranking is again just the idea of takes a tight end high and then takes a backup tight end fairly high as well kind of making his depth not how you'd want it at the running back position and then um really just getting guys that are unproven rookies as backups um it really is just going to depend on how antonio gibson turns out 
who's another just polarizing player that people either really love and really or really don't. Personally, I don't like Gibson this year. Um, how do you feel about Gibson, Bean? I feel better with the news of his competitor. Um, I just feel like that's going to linger on all year long, and it's just going to provide more touches for Antonio Gibson. But Are you referring to Brian Robinson going down? Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. So with with him, I mean, it sounds like he's going to be back this year. They aren't counting him out. So uh, I know it was lower body injuries, which you just don't know until you get full speed on what that's going to look like, in my opinion. So they're going to play it safe with, a guy like Robinson anyway. So come the first four weeks of the year, if they're not doing well, like Gibson's just going to take that role the rest of the year. And he has that potential to catch some passes as well, which just makes his position in flight. So. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's really all I have to say about Alex's team is just the uncertainty there, but. Um, and that, that's kind of what I ended up weighing my teams is how confident I was that their best has a likelihood to be their best. So who did you have at sixth? Or no, sorry. Uh, well, I'm trying to I skip my you at seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, for me, for, for your, I guess you could call it basic cutoff is from the playoffs, in my opinion, is I am just not a big fan of your running backs um and primarily your second pick i am not a javante mm-hmm. williams fan i feel like melvin gordon's just going to bite into his carries i think he's still a solid potential yeah. too but my concern is they're going to be passing a lot with their the offense that they have with russell wilson and if if which Melvin Gordon proved to last year just started being super productive after like halfway through the year, like it's going to cut into his, his playing time. I don't think Melvin Gordon's there for the long term, So I think he's a solid pick for future seasons, but this year I think he's just going to be one of those running back by committee guys. Uh, and then after that, I just am not a fan of any of the rest of your running backs. I like Gainwell if Miles Sanders stays strong or if if he isn't strong but there's also the little birdie talking about the trade of kareem hunt over to philadelphia Mm. that just keeps knocking on the door and if that happens i really it's going to be rough uh for any miles sanders or kenneth gainwell lovers so We'll see what happens there. I do really like i still like your team and i think it is a stronger like i kind of said the the nine to like five ish groups were just really drawed the hat for me. It's just, I strongly don't like Williams as a, a two running back. And other than that, your, your tight ends also might struggle a little bit just cause you, you did dump way into the end of the draft, which I like as well. Um, well, someone stole my David and Joku pick. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have him in three other leagues, so it was kind of like a, I'm, I'm going to live or die by him in some ways, but I have Gasecki just in case not something happens there too. So Yeah. That's where I'm at. All right. I'll talk more about myself uh, when I get to my ranking. So um, now we're getting to the top six, um, and we've kind of talked about 
other teams as we've gone too, so we'll try not to get too repetitive. But at number six, I have Frazier's team. And like I said before, if this was the standings, these would be the six that we're saying make the playoffs. So I, I would say um, Frazier makes top six for me um, based on the strength of his studs that he has. Having Derrick Henry, Mike Evans, Ezekiel Elliott, which the Cowboys, I believe, are thought to unofficially be signing Jason Peters today was the news that I was reading. If that's the case, that's great news for Elliott owners just because losing Tyron Smith was a huge blow, but being able to get um, someone like Jason Peters to step in for Tyron Smith um, only helps him, so that's great. Uh, It also helps Dak as well. Um, George Kittle... Um, and then guys uh, that could step up and be big producers like Juju Smith-Schuster, um, Michael Thomas, um, and then even someone like Russell Gage. And he has the mythical Sammy Watkins as well, which with that news that you gave on... Uh, uh, oh, Sammy Watkins isn't on waivers. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, <laughs> the news you gave on Alan Lazard. Having Sammy Watkins isn't as much of a meme as we'd like to make. I mean, we'll have to see how, how it comes out week one. Um, who did you have at six? At six, I had really so sacrilegious. Uh, wow. <laughs> With really, I, I feel like that those first five picks were just really strong. I, I, I liked Alvin cook a lot. He's just, as long as he stays healthy, I mean, that's what fantasy football is all about. Your top guys, if they can stay healthy, your first couple picks, it's going to be strong. I mean, they're just in, they're in offenses that are going to explode this year. Like, it's going to be mm-hmm. shootouts. I feel like every game, especially with Minnesota and Green Bay, has been like that for like the last, I don't know, three, four years. So, and then to top that off, another explosive offense with Keenan Allen. Uh, Miami, I mean, Jalen Waddle's one of those guys. The The worst the only part of it why I have him ranked at six and not anything higher is I'm not a fan of wide receiver three and potential flex with Brandon Cooks. I know he's the number one in Houston, but I always lean towards who's throwing this person the ball. And if oh my I don't, man, <laughs> if I don't, if I can't recall off the top of my head who their quarterback is, that's normally not a good sign for that type of wide receiver. So. In my oh opinion, man, Cooks is is going to be rough, but I, it might be completely different. We'll have to wait and see. Brandon Cooks to me is the most underrated wide receiver. He all that all he does is produce, and it doesn't matter who he has throwing him the ball either. He produced with Jared Goff throwing him the ball for two years at the Rams. Um, he's been at I Houston Jared for Goff though. Right, you do. Um, now, the person throwing him the ball this year is Davis Mills. And the person throwing him the ball last year was Davis Mills. And last year, he had 90 receptions for 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. And that's pretty good. And that's from a rookie, Davis Mills, who is not considered a top quarterback, who by all any you know by any stretch of what he will do he's coming in with a full year of camp a full year of experience and will be should be as good but probably will be better than he was last year 
I think all of that helps him. And being on a bad team, bad teams throw the ball. So I, I really yeah. like Brandon Cooks. I'm not as big a fan. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see how that turns yeah, I, out. Cause I that, wonder where you could have him ranked. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. I, uh, I, uh, no, I, that's, that's kind of what I might... I mean, but like I said before, I could have him higher. I like those first, especially those first three super high-powered offenses. It's it's going to be hit or miss, but I just feel like wide receiver three position is open and flex position is also open for for his team. That's going to be always a question mark on where you're going to put people. So maybe that's not a question mark for you, but for me it would be. Yeah, no, and I I like that we I like that we're not just agreeing with each other. That mm-hmm. that would be a lot more boring. I will just say I know Frilly's been listening to this and has probably been uh, slowly catching it as I have. But Frilly's actually a girl, so. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. I just let you go till the end. I thought it was funny. <laughs> okay, so uh, go ahead and give your fifth. My fifth, I have Alex. So you talked a little bit about Alex's team already. Um, and for Alex, I just feel like there's strength with Gibson, especially with the news. I, the wide receivers are are just, I feel like, super strong. <clears throat> um, I don't like the tight ends, the, the two tight ends picks, but I'm completely dropping the draft, like where these people were picked. I'm looking at the roster itself. Mm-hmm. And... Like, I, I don't like the Trevor Lawrence pick either, but that doesn't change it for me. I think the starting squad that, that Alex has is really strong. Um, James Connors is one of those workhorses that uh, two years ago he didn't do anything, and then last year he blows everybody out of the water. And I don't think that really changes much with, with Arizona, but um, Russell Wilson yeah. always a strong pick. Hawkinson is one of those sleeper tight ends that I really like this year. Uh, Elijah Moore, I think he's kind of, I, I would say, kind of in that same boat as what you're maybe saying with Brandon Cooks, same potential. They're going to be behind a lot. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Somebody's got to catch those passes, and I think Elijah Moore is that person. Um, I like Pickens as a kind of a sleeper pick as well. Just there's a little bit of question marks with some of the the later picks that just doesn't bump him up higher in my list. Yep. And I, I agree with that too. Um, yeah, Pickens, Pickens could be good just because Pittsburgh has a really nice track record of drafting good wide receivers. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on Pickens as well. Um, I'll move to. Did I give my fifth? Well, I'll go. I'll, you did not give your fifth. Okay, should I do that first, or are we gonna say something? No, go ahead. Okay. For my fifth, I have your 11th pick, Devastator. So I better explain my reasoning there. I agreed with everything you said. The running backs, to me, are rough. I gave Devastator an epic in the draft because I really liked um, what he did besides with values in DK Metcalf, Cortland Sutton, taking A.J. Brown, who um, he's also getting at a discount just because... He plays for the Eagles now and not the Titans. If A.J. Brown comes back and plays for the Titans, he goes in the second round easily. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I really liked 
you know, part of why I had him up there is I really liked Alan Lazard because I thought Alan Lazard would be the wide receiver one. But if the thought now is that his week one status is questionable and there's an undisclosed injury, that does hurt him a lot because having to start four receivers is what he needed to do to be good. He had to start four. And he had three strong ones and then nice shots with Lazard, um, Julio, and then you know a low-ceiling, low high-floor guy in Landry. Taking Lazard out of that equation does move him down now for me. Um, so, yeah, the running yeah, that's backs. That's fairly recent news, too. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, running backs are going to be a concern. And then, yeah, if Kareem Hunt does get traded to the Eagles, it can go from treading water to drowning pretty quick with only having Najee Harris um, there. So, yeah. okay. Uh, I'll just go with my number four power ranking person. Um, probably the most good-looking, well-spoken person in the draft. Humble as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> yeah, I have myself. Uh, and all the things you said about Javante Williams are the little things in the back of my head that I hear. The, the other thing I worry about for Javante Williams is with Melvin Gordon being on a one-year contract, the temptation to run him into the ground you know we've seen teams do that before we're giving any kind of garbage time work or any kind of hard carries um kind of keeping their young running back on a pitch count and then doing everything else with a with a capable uh veteran backup i could see that being the case but the thing i really like about javante williams is he has that home run quality to him that a lot of running backs don't have like he can he only needs you know we've seen Alvin Kamara for years produce top running back numbers getting 12 carries a game you know something like that I think Javante Williams maybe not Alvin Kamara but he has that potential for real just watching him play last year he really jumped off the screen to me as being someone who's quite good um yeah and I, and I agree with that that comment too the only the part of it is just uh, Denver's offense looks scary this year. And just like you said, if Denver gets up by a lot, I don't think Javante Williams sees the field because mm-hmm. they want to save him and they're going to run Melvin Gordon into the ground. And with their solid defense and like, I, I don't recall exactly who's in their division, but I think they're going to be scoring a lot of points with their offense and holding teams to a little bit of points, which is, means less time for Javante Williams with him being so young. Yeah, that 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 should be a fun division to watch though cuz they have all loaded up that that's Chargers, Raiders, um Chiefs. Yeah. Broncos. What is it? Chargers, Raiders, Broncos and uh Chiefs, I think. And Chiefs, yeah. So that I mean, all of those teams are playoff-level teams. Hopefully, we get shootouts and stuff for fantasy purposes. Um, but, yeah, that should be pretty wild. Uh, who do you who do you have at number four? Yep, I have Fraz at number four. I am, uh, as Cal can probably attest to, I am a, a Ezekiel Elliott diehard. I am not a Cowboys fan, but... I believe in this guy, and I think he's going to surprise people again this year. 
all of the fantasy news talks about him being seeing less and less of the field last year he produced i think it was he was i think seventh in the league and nobody talked about ezekiel last year and that was him playing injured this year he comes back fully healthy i think tony pollard is going to see more outside work than he is going to see just standard straight up backs but he's also goes in on zeke's every i think it's his third the third series uh zeke sits and pollard comes in so uh, I think that's going to continue. I think Zeke's going to still see as much field as he's seen over the last three, four years when he's healthy. And I think he's going to be one of those league winners. And that's why I have Fraz up here higher in the top than others. I, I think J.K. Dobbins is a, a number three running back is really solid as well. I think he has potential to do some some good work this year, but I, I wouldn't like him as a two. But as a three, I really do feel like that's kind of where you want him to sit. And then... I mean, Mike Evans has produced, if you talk to anybody about fantasy about Mike Evans, he has the same type of numbers that the top tier wide receivers have every year and getting him in the second after Derrick Henry, who's a workhorse in himself. Like, I just think Braz has a really solid team. It's scary to run into in the playoffs with the players that he has. So, yeah. And the Zeke thing, um, I totally agree. I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, of course, but Zeke was really hurt last year, and he played. The thing about Tony Pollard is he's not like other backups in that he he can't take over a starting running back role. He's never been that in his entire career. He's always been the the two of a one-two punch, and he, he excels at that, but he's just not – you know, Zeke is built to be the workhorse and Tony Pollard is the change of pace and they work really well together. If we get a healthy Zeke, you know, getting him in the third is just crazy value. Because uh, he's a... I agree. He can be a first-round caliber going ahead of guys like Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, Mixon, Swift. I mean, he could be up in the top five or six running backs for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This one should be a little easier um, because <laughs> we have the same person. So yes. uh, who do who do we have ranked as third? We have Argy ranked as third. So, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Argy's team, I mean, getting a top-tier quarterback and Josh Allen, I think he's above and beyond the rest. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and other top-tier quarterbacks are there but i think he's a step above them so it's always a strong pick in in nick chubb and cam Akers as like top two running backs i think cam Akers is due to kind of be a blowout type of person this year in a super high powered offense and i mean all the news talking about kareem hunt and what he's going to do if he goes nick chubb is probably uh top five pick if that information hits before a draft takes place like i agree just have zero competition in his backfield and he's gonna excel i like the adam thielen pick i i love adam thielen this year i think he's kind of being slept on uh there's just zach Ertz is another strong like position player i just feel like his starters are really up there rashad bateman being in baltimore and being number one running back Devin Singletary like he's not a super strong pick but he's also number three running back so um 
there's a little bit of lacking of depth for me to put him higher just because I don't think Ronald Jones, I, I don't like Derek Carr kind of sitting on your bench every week. There could have been somebody else picked there that really would have made, I think, Argy's team really be up at the top for me. Um, but with Deontay Johnson, I think he's another one of those guys that is just strong in the, in the wide receiver position as well. And then Sky Moore, I, I mean, sky's the limit for that guy. So see what you did there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. The Nick Chubb thing, too, if Kareem Hunt does get moved in the first eight weeks, especially early, Nick Chubb is already a little underrated because he, one, he plays for the Browns, and two, he has Kareem Hunt cutting into his work a bit. But he he's basically what Zeke was a couple years ago right now. Um, he's excellent. And then Josh Allen, I agree, is a, uh, far and away the best simply for his running ability upside over Mahomes and Herbert. Um, there's a separation there. The receivers are super solid, like like you said. And I think Deontay Johnson has one of the best shots to really outperform his draft stock. He, taken in the fourth, I think he he legit has the potential to be a top 12 wide receiver, which I know sounds crazy, but he gets so many targets. It's insane. And they didn't add anyone to take targets away from him. Um, yeah. I know, I know it's Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball, but Mitch Trubisky, I don't think is as bad as people think either. He's at least sustained fantasy receivers before. Um, so I think the bears quarterback <laughs> coaches yeah. are just that bad. It's just, I just don't understand how they struggle all the time with their quarterbacks. Like Mitch yeah. Trubisky had a lot of potential, but they couldn't figure it out. I agree. All right. So for number two, um, it's between Frilly and Jelly, and I chose Jelly for number two. Um, and then, well, and I'll let you get to yours in a sec. So mm -hmm. for for Jelly, the reason I had him number two, and then on top of that, um, freely for number one. The thing that separated them for me um, was that freely to me just has such a consistent team that you know what you're going to get early in the season. And then anything that comes along that like a bump in the road can be addressed in waivers early. Like you, 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 you don't get more consistency than players like Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks, um, even even backup players like Melvin Gordon um, and just sneaky good picks like Austin Hooper, who's going to see targets um, in Tennessee um, with the loss of A.J. Brown. Um, and then, of course, top loading with running back, running back Dalvin and Aaron Jones. I just for Frilly, I really like her consistency. And that's the thing that puts her above Jelly for me, because Jelly has stronger upside players, probably but not the consistency that I see because we don't know what CD lamb is going to be without Amari Cooper. Um, we don't know what Darnell Mooney is going to do this year. He's been on the rise, but if he's capped out, he's not quite a wide receiver too. He disappears sometimes. And then same with Amari Cooper. He switches, goes to Cleveland. We don't know what he's going to be. That That's why I, I had jelly too. And I had, Frilly one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can talk I, about your number two and then go into uh, <clears throat> yeah. jelly if you want. So I have rules at two. So 
I just I strongly like the Jerry Judy pick. Unlike I think you have rules a little bit lower because of maybe that type of thing. Uh, yeah. St. Brown for Detroit. I mean, he's also one of those sneaky type of first like picks that I just think are going to potentially be like a league winner type of potential. Um, you look at his like end of the season type of stats last year, like he was, he ended very strong. And I think he builds off of that coming into, uh, into the following year. I mean, he's got Christian McCaffrey, if he stays healthy, like obviously these power rankings can change every week. I just think rules is going to be right up at the top every week. As long as Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, David Montgomery, they're, Chicago's options are to run the ball, I feel like, a lot of the time. And Justin Fields will only benefit from Montgomery, and I believe that he is going to be a strong player this year. And then those those top three picks just really, I think, push him over the top. And I like Christian Kirk. I like Valdez, Scantling. Uh, Brian Robinson can sneak in at the end of the year and be super strong. I like Rondell Moore as well until... Hopkins come back, comes back. So I, I just feel like Rules' team is one of those scary ones to see. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, Jelly at the top for me, um, compared to you, it's just Jonathan Taylor, CeeDee Lamb, Leonard Fournette, Waller. Like, I love those first five picks. Everything about that team right off the bat is just strong. I like Darnell Mooney this year. I like... Amari Cooper, I mean, Cordell Patterson last year was one of those guys. He's got Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback all, all the way back at, like, way late. I I think that's going to be, like, another top type of, of player there. Well, and, and having someone like... Team. Having someone like Cordero Patterson as your fourth running back on your roster, too, is just huge. Like, mm-hmm. hit... Cordero Patterson as a two, you'd feel okay about, but he's he's the fourth option. That's such good depth to have at a really – if all his running backs hit, he has so much trade power too, um, uh, trying to trade to teams that need a running back. So I, I agree with, with where you have him as well. Yeah, it's just – I like DJ Chart this year as well. Like I talked a little bit for rules on – on St. Brown, if St. Brown's going to lose targets, it's going to be because be because of Chart that's there. Um, in Buffalo, I mean, Cook has the potential to take over that that running back position as well. I don't think it happens, but I mean, there's just a lot of potential for him to have solid or potential to have really solid options. Uh, yeah, here for this year, I, I definitely, in my opinion, one of the top tier teams. So. Yeah, I I agree. I in like I said for me, Frilly kind of has the team like we did it, we can do it again, and Jelly has the team that next year if they do it, it will will then become that. So they he has the kind of all upside team where Frilly has the kind of we know what she has, but it maybe not not have quite as high of a ceiling as uh, some of the players Jelly has. Okay. 100%. So just to recap, I had my top 12 from 12 to 1. Makehorn, Mike, Zorbis, Bean, Rules, Alex. Uh, That was 12 through 7. And then 6 through 1, I had Fraz, Devastator, myself, 
Argy, Jelly, and Frilly. You want to recap yours real quick? Yep. So for me, 12 through 7, Maycorn, Devastator, Mike, Bean, Zorbus, Cal, and then 6 through 1, Frilly, Alex, Fraz, Argy, Rules, and Jelly at the top. Good. And then you did a little research on the side before this. You got a third-party ranking. Do you want to explain that and give us that ranking? So uh, I have a brother-in-law who is pretty diehard into fantasy football. Uh, I will say over the past five years, he's... How many leagues is he in? I was just going to say he's dropped since, but... I know for this year he's around 35 different leagues, all paid That's leagues, insane. real. Uh, a few, I think three or four years ago, he was in close to 100 leagues. So uh, he lives and dies by fantasy football. Uh, I don't know how he does it. I can't keep track of six teams, let alone 35. So, I mean, it's just always interesting to get his perspective on a lot of things and can jump into his rankings quick. But 12 through 7, he had Devastator. Argy, Alex, Fraz, Mike, and Zorbus. And then for his playoff teams, Makehorn, Jelly, Rules, Bean, Frilly, and Cal at number one. So, Who is definite... that number one? <laughs> Shut up. Cal. Uh, <laughs> but it's so different. And he has a completely different opinion compared to us. Obviously, me and Cal both agreed with Makehorn being at the bottom, and he has Makehorn making the playoffs. So... Yeah, Very interesting, interesting takes there. He's he's also a San Francisco fan, so he lives on the upside of Eli Mitchell. So, uh, or Elijah Mitchell. Uh, it's I think either it's works. Of, it's just always interesting. Yes, we'll have to we'll have to at the end of the year look back at how stupid we all look at these <laughs> rankings. Agreed, hundred um, percent. <laughs> Okay, so we we talked a long time about the teams. It, I I kind of liked it though because we got to have another perspective on the picks. Where the the show last week was just me talking ad nauseum about everything. Where you got to give your different takes on that. So hopefully people didn't mind because right now we're at fifty minutes. Um, but we'll. We'll we'll try to get through the tips and stuff here too. I, I don't think the long episodes are necessarily too crazy. Um, before we give tips and tricks, I just think that we should explain what waivers are, just because I know we have some first time fantasy players, and I think waivers is one of the most com- not confusing, but maybe just one of the things that when you start fantasy, you think about the draft, but after the draft, waivers is really, I mean what makes or breaks your team. So do you want to just explain quickly um, what what waivers are and how they work? Absolutely. So think of waivers as, or free agency, some people will call it, they use the, tam- the, the terms intertwining or in the same way. Uh, but it's a free, it's like a, it's a list of players who currently aren't rostered on somebody in your league's fantasy team. And you'll see like percentage rostered and stuff inside of sleeper, which is really nice. So you can kind of make plays off of that, but it is that listing of players who are available for pickup for your team. Um, when it comes to how you go about picking them up, there's a couple different ways. Most of the time it's through the waivers portion. And then there's also an open period closer to when the games are being played uh, that is capable. 
Uh, but waivers is when you put in a claim for that player. Waivers will clear every day uh, after the week is over. So it will first clear for the weekend on Wednesday morning. I think it's at 8 a.m. server time. And then it'll clear every day up until Sunday's games at that same time at 8 a.m. every day. So if you put a claim in for a player uh, on Wednesday uh, and you are waiver priority number one, waiver are Priority is determined by reverse order of standing. So come week one, lowest scoring team uh, and losing team will be the first pick in waivers. They'll have the first opportunity to pick up one of those free agent listed players. Uh, and then it kind of goes down that list. So if you don't put a claim in for your waiver, it follows over uh, and you win the following week, you might not get that first round pick. So or that first first pick the following week. So it's always right. good to take advantage of those. Uh, and then come Sunday morning, one uh, that I think it's 8 a.m. that day, uh, the waivers run the last time, and then players are open to be picked up at whenever you choose. So you can go pick up a player instantly, put them into your lineup until their start time. When the game starts, that player is locked until the waiver clear Wednesday morning the following week. So they can still be put on a waiver wire, like a waiver uh, claim, but it won't clear until the following week. So. That's kind of a, a gist of of how waivers work. I don't know if you want to add anything, Cal. Yeah, I and I, I know waivers sounds complicated. Um, it, it, it's really not. And when you get past the first week, you'll you'll kind of see how it works. But the main thing is just making sure that you are paying attention to waivers uh, because when players get hurt, there'll be players that no one's even heard of. Um, Get, getting themselves in a position to take their, you know, their their role. So we'll our trips and our tips and tricks will refer to waivers quite a bit. And if people have questions about waivers, absolutely ask in the the Discord channel um, because that's something that, like I said, make or, makes or breaks your season is uh, getting some good waiver pickups, especially early. So to start tips and tricks. Um, I will kind of piggyback off of what I just said, and uh, I, I named this tip "Start the Patch Strong." You know, start by upgrading your worst gear. For fantasy football, that means weeks one and two are the most important waiver weeks. This is where we see we we can theorize how all these teams are going to work, but week one and week two is when we see it happen. All the things that people have been saying, we get to see if they back it up. You know, um, how often they throw, how often they run, who's getting the targets, who's getting the carries, and so on. Start the patch strong and don't be afraid to drop some of your late round darlings that you've liked who are not showing the potential that you thought they'd have. You, you take that you take that swing, but sometimes you miss um, and you don't want to just be holding the bag when they don't turn out. The draft, being said it earlier... The draft no longer matters. Where you took someone no longer influences their value. Um, it's the performance on the field and the role in the offense. So that that's my tip. Start the patch strong. Um, Bean, what's your first tip? Yeah, it was kind of along the same lines as starting the patch strong in that same way. It, it is waivers. Waivers are something your team will live and die by come the start of the year. Um it, it always comes down to that type of, of play for me. A couple years ago, 
I snagged James Conner off of waivers in just about every league that I was in, uh, and it won me two out of the three leagues that I was in that year. So that's the type of thing that you're looking for. Uh, I started out weak, and just keep an eye on your waiver position. If you are number one, you have that first option at anybody. But don't be afraid to put claims in for everybody either. Like anybody that you're interested in and you have a position on your roster that you want to fill with that person, put a claim in. If you get it, great. Next week it won't really matter. So uh, just keep your eye on and always be on top of waivers. Even parts of the way through the year, it still can be something that can save you from a, a win or a loss every week. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good tip. Um, and knowing your waiver position too um, can help just because if you have someone you really like that's kind of obvious, sometimes you can tell based on your position if you are you have a good chance to get them or not. Mm-hmm. And just to – you had a good example with James Conner, just some context for that. Um, the starting running back for Pittsburgh that year was holding out on his contract. Everyone thought that he would play. He ended up holding out the entire year and getting James Conner, a relatively unknown backup, ended up being a great pickup on waivers because James Conner finished the year as a top five or something running back. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like that week one really blow up a draft just because no one's drafting James Conner. Everyone's assuming Le'Veon Bell is going to play. Stuff like that happens more often than not. Um, My next tip I called... um, item level usually trumps stats and that's to say start your best players um you will see something in the app that'll show schedule and strength of the opponent and that is helpful especially later in the year but there's a saying um that rings true which is start your studs if you have a player who is a bona fide stud which by this definition would probably be in the first two or three rounds would be a stud player you should be starting them they they're studs for a reason it some players are not affected by matchup um and boom players that i that's what i call them are a really good example they're those are players that have huge weeks that can kind of single-handedly win you a game players like mike evans tyree kill and jamar chase those guys can blow up for 30 points um, it might have two weeks where they get six or eight, but that week where they hit for 30 wins you the week. Um, you don't, you know, I would rather have the stud in my lineup getting six points in a bad matchup than being on my bench getting 36. Um, so I, I always like to say when people are asking a waiver pickup versus uh, a stud that has the best defense in the league, uh, start your studs is the rule of thumb for me. Yeah, <clears throat> and I definitely agree. People like Tyreek Hill, I mean, you look at him last year's, like, if you look at his stats, like, he had his first week, he scored 37 points. And then the next two weeks after that, he scores five and eight. And if you don't start him because of two bad performing weeks, you miss out on 47 points week four. Like, yeah, it's crazy if you start sitting guys that you pick like that just because of a couple games that are bad performing and you really look like you really don't know what you're doing from that standpoint when you sit a guy like Tyreek Hill or, I mean, any of those top tier type of guys. So, it's And you feel horrible. <laughs> I have yeah. been one of those people. 
Yeah, we all. Somebody, so. <laughs> yeah, we all have. Uh, That's what happens. You can go with your you next of, tip here. Yeah, and and you kind of stated along those same lines, like start your studs. Don't use like the strength of schedule and such as one of those opportunities. But you can use that that type of like matchups uh, inside of sleepers, like who they're playing as things. Uh, to help decide with people who are maybe not your top tier guys. But when you're deciding on your wide receiver three, feel free to check that matchup. Is this a team that's going to, gives up a lot of points to to wide receivers? If they are, maybe use that to help decide what you're going to do. I know when I have question marks on between two different guys, it's the first place that I go is, what do I think? their that defense is going to look like what have they done this year it, it normally is kind of a telltale sign of what's going to happen a lot of times with uh what that defense is going to do so yeah and do you have another tip right after yeah i will go uh pay attention to bye weeks it can sneak up on you um especially for teams that if you're five and zero oh, to start the year, bye weeks probably don't mean a whole lot. One loss isn't going to keep you from getting into the playoffs. But if you're a three and three team throughout the the week, and you really need their three out throughout the first six weeks, and you have four people going on a bye, a a fourth loss it might be the make or break type of thing to get you into those playoffs. So pay attention to bye weeks. I don't think it's something you you draft by but during the season you got to use those waiver wires to make sure you're going to fill a solid roster uh for every week and if you have three four five guys on my bye week the same week you just got to pay attention to that and make sure you're on top of it plan ahead of time yeah and to, to piggyback off of that uh watching the bye week is important for trades as well too um Watching the bye week of who you're trading for can be important. And then if you are a team, say you start the year uh, three and three or even 0 and six, like I've had leagues where I start 0 and six and I still make the playoffs. Trading those players, those really good stud players while they're on their bye week can sometimes give you that one week boost of not only do you get a different player who's probably better but you also no longer have a bye week player. Um, you can kind of use stuff like that to your advantage sometimes just because some teams might be able to afford trading for someone on a buy, um, or you might be able to afford trading for someone on a buy and the other team won't. So th- that's another uh, important thing about bye week. Okay. For my uh, next tip, I call that use the group finder. Um, If you do not have a top 12 QB or a top four or five tight end, it can be really beneficial to what's called stream the position from week to week. Streaming just means that you are picking up a new player every week or every couple of weeks, uh, mainly based on who they're playing. Uh, they're players that are available on waivers, but can have strings of games where they have good matchups and can be nice plays. Maybe not for the whole year, um, but for that matchup. For QBs, the difference between scoring, you know, between quarterbacks is pretty minimal. Um, aside from the best of the best, like you have Josh Allen, uh, Kyler Murray, Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Those guys are the top guys, but after the first you know, 10 or so 
they're all pretty similar to each other in points scored. So strength of opponent can really be a difference maker. Last year, there were more players, there were more quarterbacks than starters in the NFL that finished top 12. There's only 32 quarterbacks that start each week. And I want to say there was 50-something quarterbacks that ended as a top 12 quarterback on any given week, just with backups and stuff. So matchup makes a big difference there, and watching for that can be important. Um, For tight ends, if they're not in the top three or five, uh, say they're not in the big three or the big five cutoff for points, it can be really hard to find consistency at tight end because... It really depends on just a tight end scoring a touchdown or not. So if you don't have a top tier tight end, looking for matchups to exploit hunting for touchdowns can also be something that you want to do. There's a lot of top fantasy players who their philosophy is that they're going to stream quarterbacks and tight ends all year. And you can always get the off chance that your streamer turns into a bona fide starter um, just by happenstance, too. So anything to add to that one, Bean? No, I agree 100%. I am a full punt most of the time on my quarterbacks and tight ends. And what you kind of stated there just illiterate real iterates that. Uh, I am somebody who's having a five different starting quarterbacks throughout the year because I know what I'm going to get with those guys that are towards the bottom. And tight ends are, are just... it's devastating when you don't have one of those top three to five guys but you can really survive having strong middle of the tier teams so um it's always good to go jump out on waivers especially with tight ends and and quarterbacks and i wouldn't even necessarily say waivers i in my opinion as a tip is when sunday morning happens and there's a quarterback out there that may have a better opportunity Use your the open type of op- opportunities to make changes to those players come that day. So, yeah, with just the ad that doesn't burn your waiver doesn't. priority. Yeah, so. I know. Uh, I think it was two years ago. There, like, it was the Cardinals. I think they were the absolute worst team in the NFL against the tight end position. And the play every week, if you didn't have a top tight end, is you were just trying to get the tight end playing the Cardinals because they they would score a touchdown every time. It was just whatever the Cardinals were doing, they couldn't defend it. It's not always as dramatic as that, um, but you can really start to exploit matchups past the first six, eight weeks of the season where you start seeing trends. Um, yep. Exactly. Yeah. So for, I think, my last tip is... If you start out weak, this is strongly talking about if you start out dry and you have four losses, you're 0-4, don't be afraid to, and you, especially if you have somebody who's your first or second round pick that's just not performing to your expectation, and I'm not saying you've lost confidence in them, but take advantage of that, that situation for yourself uh, and potentially look to make a trade, uh, especially to some of the teams that are doing very well you might be able to dump them with a player who maybe isn't going to perform as much but they may be able to survive that risk of taking that risk compared to you uh maybe just dwindling out the year and not being able to stay afloat for the rest of the year 
it does not matter if you're one through six. You just need to be in that sixth position. So uh, the fantasy season is shorter than pe- most people realize. So if you start getting five, six, seven losses, you really got to start doing something to to spice up your team. And a lot of times that trade, I'm not saying give up your, your top tier guys, but get some solid value back when it comes to making those trades and utilize trade analyzers. There's all kinds of stuff out there and different than how WoW has all kinds of different analyzers for, uh, for what gear is best. You can have those same types of opportunities to utilize other resources to be able to help you determine if that trades fair and or in your favor so mm-hmm. yeah and when you're a bad team trading a good a great player a lot of times the reason you're bad is because you just don't have enough quality starters so a lot of times what you can do with a good team is a good team has depth and you can actually trade your star for maybe a slightly lower version of what you're trading away, plus one of their bench players. And to you, you get two st- two starters where they, they're giving up a bench player that they can't start anyway. And that can help re- revitalize your team and give you uh, points that you just haven't been able to have because you don't have two starters, you just have one. Um, now, I'll, I, I think in the future too, we'll talk more about trades and stuff because uh, trades will be the most fun thing to talk about week to week if we do have trades in the league because we'll be able to say who got absolutely destroyed and who won the trade and yes. then three weeks later we'll get to be completely wrong and how we felt about it so that'll be fun <laughs> um but my my last tip is kind of a tip that puts all the things that we've just been saying overload of information into perspective it's we they anybody they do not pay your sub right it's your team you make the decisions and you live with your decisions there are experts and articles and reddit and me and bean and other league mates we all have our own opinions but you paid your entry you are the manager you know you have final say so have fun if you you know, if you are a fan of a team or you believe in a player, for me, that player has been Mike Williams for four years. I draft him every year. I love him. Um, I have him again in this league. I I start Mike Williams. I just I believe in Mike Williams and I overvalue Mike Williams. But that that's how I like to play. And when I watch the game, that's who I want to watch play. So um, don't feel like what you're doing. You know, it's not, it's not to relate it to wow. You do not need to be min maxing in a way uh, that you would in wow because there's so much RNG that goes into fantasy football. It's really about having, you know, having fun and enjoying watching football more because you have players on teams that you wouldn't normally watch. So, um, being anything you want to add on to that or. Yeah, I no, not really. It's it's exactly that. Like there's so many types of resources that are out there. Uh, <clears throat> my opinion, I don't think Reddit's the best place to go, but you definitely can go there if that's yeah. where you want your information. The uh, hype threads are insane. <laughs> yes. You'll just get a lot of garbage information from there, in my opinion, on people who people think are gonna be good. But 
uh, there, there's rankings, player rankings. There, I mean, there's even resources like Fantasy Pros that are out there that are they just combine all the information for you and try to make it easier. Never makes it any easier, but it kind of gives you an idea of where you want to go off of. So, there's really no better feeling than right. There's really no better feeling or worse feeling when you have two players and everyone's been in the position where who do I start? You're asking everybody. I don't know who to start. The best feeling is when you pick right and the player you picked just goes off and wins you the week. And it's the worst feeling ever when you picked wrong and you would have won if you had just picked the other one. Um, but we've been that's, on both sides of it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what makes it fun. It makes you want to do it every year is it's just that little, you know, dopamine rush of uh, gambling, I guess, of who you want to pick. So, um, great. Okay. Those are good tips. Um, I liked yours. I think we had a good mix and hopefully people find them helpful. We're just going to end with some rapid fire superlatives so bean i'll let you uh read a category and i'll just i'll just give my answer yes most likely to lose by a stat change uh jelly most likely to start a player on a bye week he'll be really mad but alex most likely to not know a player is out on game day maycorn most likely to chirp after victories. Frazier. Worst loser. It's going to be Frilly. Humblest winner. Mike. And league champion. Uh, after we were talking and stuff today, my prediction is that Christian McCaffrey is going to stay healthy. Rules is going to win the league. Worst Who's your prediction for league champion? Yeah. If I like Rules' team, I just I I think Jelly's team's still the top. I I just don't see it being any different. Yeah, we'll have to see. Okay, well, It'll be interesting. That's all we have. Good luck, week one. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this. And if you have anything um, on advice of what we can do. We're both really new to this. Uh, so any kind of feedback is good feedback for us. Um, any last notes for you, Beam, before we say goodbye? No. Good luck, everybody, in week one. All right. Uh, we love you guys, and goodbye. Hello? Hello? Hey, calm your tits.